day. Happy Friday, everybody. A football Friday, a prediction Friday. This is the Bill Michaels Show. I am Ben Kenny. That is Notes app Grant Bills. Grant, happy <laughs> Friday, brother. What's up? Happy Friday, Ben Kenny. How we looking? And how was your uh, birthday celebration last night? Eh, yeah, not much going on. Did our show live from Monk's Barn Grill in Sun Prairie. Went back downtown, hung out at the apartment for a bit, went down to a nice local establishment to watch the game. Had some terrific nice. wings because it went nice. well. Madison's in downtown Madison, uh, if you didn't get nice. that part. Uh, down near the Capitol, probably the best wings in the city. And they were the one establishment in that area that had the game on. So props to them. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Did Zach get you a gift? Uh, his presence was a gift, enough of a gift. Actually, though, with Zach, I would accept that. I would agree. Like, Zach showing up and just being present for anyone is a gift. I wouldn't say that for most people, but for Zach, that's that's true. Well, I'm glad you had a excellent birthday and you were able to watch the game. and got some good wings and got to do a live show. That's always a blast. We had a little bit of a, a soiree in downtown lacrosse last night for the game. It was just nice to have Thursday night football back and... It was nice to be out and happy birthday one more time. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I noticed some big uh, career news up on up on the Twitter sphere. If you want to expand <laughs> upon that quickly. I just recently, especially I've seen so many people who work in our industry changing jobs and they'll post a little announcement with a screenshot of the notes app and it just goes dummy wild for interaction. Like people <laughs> just eat it up. So I thought, well. Maybe maybe I should just tell people because I was going to tweet about being out at the beer house for Thursday night football last night, as we are every Thursday for the lacrosse affiliate of the Bill Michael show WKTY. And I said, what if I just did that announcement, but I made it look like I'm changing jobs because then people eat it up. And I had one of my buddies who works on uh, the game in Milwaukee who tweeted like, congrats, man, like you've earned it. And I'm like, good. This is this is what I wanted. But it was just a it was just a dumb. It was I was trolling. I was trolling essentially. It's the real life application of that little meme from the DMs from I don't know how many years ago of uh, happy for you or sorry to hear that. I don't know. I'm not reading all of that. No one well, reads them. I, I wonder how many people who follow me saw that, liked it, and scrolled by and just thought, <laughs> oh, he's leaving his show and kept going and never really even read it. It's fine. A like is a like. Yeah. I, I got like 75 likes or whatever it was. So I'll take it. Yeah, all likes 80. are... Wow, we're up to 80. Wow. All likes are created equal. Not all football games are created equal, Grant Bills. Mm. Last night, interesting Thursday night football. We'll get to that here in a second. Coming up today, it is a prediction Friday. We're previewing Packers-Bears, Wisconsin-New Mexico State for a second or two as we talk about what the rest of the season for the Badgers will look like. Matt Mitchell will join us coming up at 10.50 to break down the gambling angles of this weekend when it comes to football. Maybe the Brewers, who are now one and a half games back in the wild card race, whether they can make the playoffs, all that good stuff. We're, we're going to continue the whole Packers offense, Aaron Rodgers, LaFleur conversation a little bit later on today as well, as well as a, a overall NFL week two preview. What are we excited for? How, how are we viewing each game when it comes to the storylines connected with them last night, a fun Thursday night football kind of, uh, it was just nutty. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yet every time the chargers are ever on a national stage, that is exactly what you get. They are incapable of 
getting rid of the tag that followed Phillip Rivers throughout his career. Of They're just a, it's hard to explain how they lose games at times because they do everything right. And it's always one thing and it's always something different. In this case, it was a 99 yard pick six by the Chiefs that gave them the lead that they would not let up. Chiefs win 27, 24. I, I mean, one, the Amazon prime broadcast I thought was terrific Two, Yeah. I love Kirk Kerb street. I think people Agreed. in NFL circles don't really appreciate how good he is. And this year they will, as he will be on Thursday night football. That, I didn't have many big takeaways from the game itself. Both of these teams are pretty damn good. And the quarterbacks as well. Well, you know, again, I brought this up, I think earlier this week, I've been concerned that with the departure of Scott Frost, that we would lose this entertaining Nebraska team that we can look forward to. And I'm like, ah. but then when I watch the chargers, no matter how good their quarterback is, and no matter how I like the defense, like they still find a way to lose insane games. So that makes me feel better about Nebraska continuing to be, to bring in college football to this. It's just wild to me. The chargers lost because they threw her out to a tight end who was gassed that ended in a pick six. And then they dropped what three, four interceptions of Patrick Mahomes they got boned on a pass interference penalty and their coach loves taking the ball out of Herbert's hands. It's just all of these reasons are so chargers. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. They all somehow always add to a loss and it's always something you look forward and say, Oh, that won't happen again. And then it does. Yeah. You mentioned the Nebraska Cornhuskers quickly. I'm not in <laughs> love with many things in life. Maybe this is a cowherd tangent. Uh, I'm not going to connect it to marriage. I'm not married. I'm quite young, actually. But Netflix, then? i not in love with many things in life, but if there is one thing that I just cannot get enough of, it is Nebraska plus 11 at home against Oklahoma this weekend. I don't care if Scott Dude. Frost is there. I don't care how bad the team is. There is nobody in the world, no team in the country, better at wow. losing by one score than that football team and they'll find a way to do it no matter how bad they are. So I'm all over that as the quick tangent. Yeah, that's, I'm glad we were able to get that in there. We're six minutes into the show and I'm glad we we're able to mention Nebraska. I will say I'm, I'm kind of bummed that it's come to this and I feel for chargers fans. Cause I feel like the rest of the country watches the chargers and says, wow, Justin Herbert is incredible. They can't win anything and their team trips all over themselves. But man, do I love Justin Herbert. Right. And I, I kind of feel bad because being a fan of that situation would be tough. But Justin Herbert, what did he break ribs or I don't know what it was. I thought maybe he just got the wind knocked out of him. And then it looked like maybe he had broken ribs. He could barely run and then throws an unbelievable fourth down seed, just a laser over the middle. And then another one on a fourth down to get a touchdown for his fantasy owners for Chargers three and a half betters. Even if Justin <laughs> Herbert is hurt next week, I'm going to start him out of respect, even if he doesn't play. I'm Aaron Rodgers on my bench. I will start Herbert anyways as an ode to what he did for me and for Chargers betters last night. It was a Brett Farvian-esque end of game performance <laughs> where yeah. he gets drilled uh, multiple plays in a row. He has to leave the field one play because he was down. And then the next play, it's, oh, yeah, there's a ridiculous throw that nobody else in the world can make. Uh, that was what I thought watching the end of that game. One takeaway I kind of had, and this might be crazy, like the teams did so much to take the ball out of their quarterback's hands 
And we're going to get to what Brandon Staley, Chargers head coach, said after the game here in a second, where he's the king of the fourth down stuff from last year, going forward, going for two, trying to make plays, trying to create scoring opportunities with the quarterback. Suddenly, it's switched, and he's talking about how he likes his defense. I don't really get that whole line of thinking. I'll play his comments here in a second. But even the Chiefs, there are third downs where they're uh, running the ball. They're doing a lot to take the ball out of Mahomes and Herbert's hands. And then down the stretch of the game, like Mahomes and Herbert, I feel like at times are too good for their own good. And this was kind of a galaxy brain take from watching the end of the game. But the pick six, like there's a defender right in his face. That's a throw that not many other quarterbacks attempt to sidearm around a guy. And it ended poorly. And, and Mahomes was trying to fit the ball into windows that just did not exist. Like they are uh, two of the top five, four quarterbacks in the NFL. There are times though, where I'm just like, Oh, if it just was a little more simple, I feel like it would all go better. Here's an analogy, a comparison. Let's bring baseball into this. See, we brought in Nebraska. Let's bring in baseball. I think Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes are the quarterback equivalent to strikeouts and home runs, right? Because they will just straight up discard first down, second down, third down, fourth and 10. I don't care. I'll get it. And then they'll make some amazing play on fourth down to make up for it. And it kind of reminds me of baseball. It's like, well, if you strike out twice, not the end of the world is hit a home run at some point. And sometimes it feels the same with Mahomes and Herbert where they know they're so good that they don't always take that check down or they don't always do the easy thing. Well, no, they don't have to because they can make some unbelievable throw and make up for it. Yeah, 100%. So after the game, Brandon Staley, again, the fourth down king, punted on a lot of those situations, including (laughs) one in Chiefs territory, kind of inexplicable, goes for a 19-yard field goal on fourth and goal from the two, I believe it was. Here was him after the game when he was asked about the punts in Chiefs territory. Yeah, I just wanted to give our, our defense a chance to compete. I really love the way we were playing. Um, I felt like that was the formula to flip the field there. Um, you know, I felt like we were aggressive when we needed to be tonight. Um, you know, we converted all four of our fourth downs, but just felt like, you know, with who's over there um, and the way our defense was playing, uh, I felt like the field position would be a big edge for our defense to be able to pin them back there. And, um, you know, I, I like the way our defense competed tonight. Yeah, It's kind of the same deal we saw Monday night in a different lens where the Broncos have a lot of outlier stuff happen to them. They fumble twice on the goal line going into score. Mm -hmm. They're in a situation then when they have to score at the end of the game and Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson completely butcher it and they end up losing. And this is one of those deals where like, yeah, Justin Herbert threw a 99 yard pick six and you're not going to see that likely for the rest of the season. At the same time, Patrick Mahomes is on the other sideline. I don't care how good the defense is playing. You don't want him with the football. Right. Like if they have a great defense, then I am more scared about them or I am more confident, I guess, with them coming out of the AFC West and getting to the playoffs and maybe going deep in the playoffs. At the same time, the mentality, I don't think, should change. Like the ball has to be in the quarterback's hands. And yes, it goes against a lot of conventional thinking. Sometimes I would say Staley could take it too far. But when you're in Chiefs territory, and these aren't like gross fourth down yardages, you're talking fourth and short-ish, and you're punting it away. It's like uh, you don't have to go all balls to the wall completely in the one direction of everything, go for two every time, go for fourth down every time. But the overall sense of aggression, especially when you're playing great quarterbacks, is what you need to do these days. And that just didn't happen last night. So I, I did, if I was a Chargers fan, I would not be thrilled with how it was managed. 
I'm pro go for it on fourth down. And the analytics backs it up. I also think announcers, I don't know. I don't like how they talk about fourth down decisions. They'll be like, well, I wouldn't go for this, but you never know what the analytics might say. It's like, hey, just think about it common sense wise. You're a midfield. You have Justin Herbert. You're trying to beat Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. Why do you need to even invoke analytics? Analytics as if it's a person. Don't even bring it up. Just you would want to go for it in that situation. I'm just pro going for it. And I don't need to cite numbers most of the time to get that. The, the change in tone of Brandon Staley from last year to this year reminds me of, I don't know if it was the Sopranos. I know you like the wire, but in the Sopranos, you're in like a mob story a lot. You have someone who's going to testify against the mob, right? And the, the first hearing they're on the stand and they're like, yeah, preaching truth. We're going to get these guys. And then like over the next couple of episodes or whatever, someone gets to them. And then the next time they take the stand <laughs> and they get up there, completely change their tone. And you're like, oh, what happened? Who got to Brandon Staley? What happened to our fourth down king? Did you hear the, the cliches he was using last night? Flip the field. And I like the way our defense is playing. And we wanted to pin him back. Like he turned into Pete Carroll. Who got to our guy, Brandon <laughs> Staley? I don't understand. That's literally the second scene of The Wire. Uh, if okay. you've seen okay. it, it happens in a lot of shows. And D'Angelo Barksdale is in court. He was there was an eyewitness who saw him kill somebody, and the eyewitness goes to the stand, and she had said she was going to testify against him, but someone in the mob had gotten to her, and she gets mm-hmm. on the stand and says, after IDing him in a photo array pointed to D'Angelo, the guy who was uh, being accused of the crime, and said, oh, no, he didn't do it. He's not the guy. No, no, no. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. 100%. I'm with you. That's a good way to look at it. That's It's an interesting story to follow as the year goes along because the Chargers' Wouldn't... offense will be successful. They'll find themselves yes. in those situations. It's just, does he now change his tone after seeing it not work? Wouldn't you want to be more aggressive on fourth downs knowing that your defense is better this year and they can pick you up? Like yeah. Why are why are we punting to help this defense when we wouldn't help last year's defense, which stunk yeah. backward? One hundred percent. So that's the the quick thoughts on Thursday night football. The Chiefs get a twenty seven to twenty four win. Very entertaining game. Uh, it's a weird dropped intercept. A lot of weird stuff was going on, but a lot of holy crap moments. Like the, yeah. some of the Mike Williams touchdowns and when Kelsey got body slammed and fumbled, but he was down <laughs> I, a lot of yeah. like audible gasp moments while watching uh, that a couple game. of throws from Herbert Mahomes that just make your jaw hit the floor. Yeah. That throw the touchdown. I think it was Mahomes second touchdown, the sidearm one unbelievable throw. And then the Herbert throw on the final drive that might go down as, is like one of my top 10 throws of the season, given the the context and everything that was just bananas. Those two are nuts. Now that you've said it, I need you to actually keep your top 10 throws of the season. All right. I'll like, open a new Google doc right now. Very specific. Like it needs to be only 10 uh, and included <laughs> with video as we move like forward, putting together a wedding invite list. It's like, yeah, we got to get this down to 10. I got to cut two. So coming up on Sunday, and a lot of Packers talk today, it's Prediction Friday. Grant, we're going to start there. We're going to move forward. Again, Matt Mitchell at 1050 will talk betting with us, both the Packers and around the rest of the NFL. When it comes to Packers-Bears on Sunday, we talked a lot about the offense. We will, as today continues. It's a 10-point spread. The Packers are terrific after a loss covering the spread. Rodgers is unstoppable against the Bears. To start off, this theme of predictions, and we could take all of yours as we move along as well. I have written down in the notes, which I will expand upon later. Packers 28, Bears 17. They cover. It's a comfortable win. 
though it is not a win that is uh, void of questions. I think there are some things we bring into next week. It is not as resounding of a win as maybe we would like to see. That's where I stand today. That's going to be my official prediction. Where are you at? Where we stand? Uh, I agree with you. I think that's perfect. I think they might end up winning by, you know, 14, 17 points. But the game I, I keep bringing up, the Lions game from last year in week two, Monday Night Football, where they were down at half and they couldn't stop Jared Goff. I wouldn't be shocked if the Packers fell behind early and were sitting there thinking, oh, my God, again. And then they turn it on because the Packers are significantly better than the Bears. I took a call from a Bears fan on my show. He's like, I don't get it. You know, why? Why are you so down on the Bears? Why are you so confident that your Packers are going to win? Oh, my God. Like, well, his name's Jeff. The Bears aren't very good. They suck. Their roster stinks. They don't have much talent, right? Lambeau, Sunday night, the Packers, they might not have their offense figured out, but they're just such a better team. I think it might be a little clunky, and it it might make us sweat a little bit, just like that Monday night game did against the Lions last year. I'm uh, with you there. All right, 877-867-1670. Prediction Friday. What do you think goes down Sunday night when the Bears come into Lambeau? We'll expand upon the matchup more when we come back, as well as we can take your calls throughout the show today predicting what is going on this weekend. And we'll get in the big question that will be posed is who is the most responsible on this team to make the offense work. And this is not a question of whether it will. I'm confident it will as the season goes along. But who is the most responsible when it comes down to it, whether the offense succeeds or doesn't succeed? Who is that on the most uh, on this Packers team, given who they have personnel-wise? We'll expand upon that as well. When we come back, a lot more to get to throughout the day. That is Grant Bills. I am Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, we're back. Bill Michael's show on this Friday. Football Friday around the great state of Wisconsin. That is Grant Bills. I am Ben Kenny at Benzie Kenny on Twitter. He is at Wisco Grant. 877-867-1670 is the number to call if you want to get a hold of the program. What do you see going down on Sunday? Packers 10-point favorites with the Bears coming into town. Some notes I, I have picked the Packers 28-17 to to win and cover, though a game where we may be still Bring some questions away. Uh, I think the team gets Jones and Dylan involved early and often. I think they are able to play from ahead, which is going to help exponentially in terms of what the offense can do. I don't see the Bears connecting on the explosions we saw last year uh, in Lambeau with the special teams disasters, as well as uh, just some weird fluky touchdowns. So they play from ahead. Uh, Justin Fields, a note, looking for his first consecutive multi-pass touchdown game. He had two last week, hasn't had one yet in his career, facing a really good secondary that has some flaws from the first week to clean up on as they go forward. Rodgers, 6-0 and in his last six against the Bears, 16 touchdowns, zero picks. I, I think By all means, I think he has an efficient game, an effective game, not the turnovers we saw from week one uh, coming up on Sunday. The Chicago defense as well did not allow a pass touchdown in last week's downpour against the Niners. Whether that's their defense being good, whether it's the weather affecting it in Trey Lance, I think the latter more so. But I don't know. This seems, Grant, to me like a 
a big start hot Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon kind of game. Uh, they grind it out. They are effective moving the ball. Maybe not very explosive, but definitely yeah. efficient. And then a sound secondary on the back end for the Packers. I think it is uh, a comfortable win, but not necessarily a you know big beat em up blowout that we want to see after week one. Not a, uh, a roll-out-the-helmets game, as our friend and host of the show, Bill Michaels, would say. I think it's going to be a, uh, a very Wisconsin Badgers-esque type of win where they know they just got to win. They just got to get the train back on the tracks. And I think Lafleur and Rodgers and everybody, I think they all know that they could probably hand the ball off every play of the game and probably win just because they're better at the point of attack. They're more talented. Like if, if nobody threw a pass in this game, the Bears just handed it off, Packers handed it off, the Packers would win. They're better at the line of scrimmage. I think they have more depth offensively, right? I, I don't know that they need to reinvent the wheel uh, to shout out Ebo from oh, this morning. God. He was talking about that. Uh, I don't think they need to reinvent the wheel to win this game. I, I would like for them to build a nice little base, get the running game cooking early, and then start adding some things in. If I was Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, I would have sat down on Monday and Tuesday with a whiteboard and just tried to come up with as many different ideas on how to get Aaron Jones the ball as possible. Like how many different places can we line him up? How many different ways can we get him the ball? and just do as many as possible because they really dropped the ball against the Vikings with using Aaron Jones. Yep, 100%. Eight touches for Jones last week. I expect that to change. I mean, A.J. Dillon was effective last week. It kind of feels like one of those games that could start with we're just going to give Jones the ball three, four times off the bat to get him going exactly. and get the offense back running and then go from there and see what works. I. Uh, uh, possible returns, potential returns. It seems like Lazard is going to play Sunday night. We don't know about Jenkins and Bakhtiari yet. My sense with Bakhtiari is no. My sense with Jenkins is uh, getting more positive as the days go along, though I can't yeah. say I'm confident until we hear something uh, very clear that he will be uh, practicing and out there. Lazard's returns big, though, because, I mean, we saw what happened with the passing game last week. We know the familiarity he has with Rodgers. And when he is on the field, he he helps Rodgers a lot. I'm not going to crown him as a game-changing wide receiver. But for what this offense needs and for what they have, I, I think his return is a very welcome addition. And, I mean, one, I think a lot of people will underrate naturally going into this game. I don't think he has a massive game. I don't think they ask much uh, of the passing game or need to. Though, I think his presence on the field, I think will come on Monday and see his presence on the field and say, okay, this looks better than it did last week. I would agree. I, I, I like what you said about just coming out at the beginning of the game and just running the ball, just getting the ball, getting Darren Jones, starting with the flow. That, that's where I make the Badgers comparison. Where, like, if a Badgers game starts to go sideways and it's the game that they should definitely win, like, let's say they're playing a, a bummy team and they're <laughs> down by three or they're tied at halftime, right? Coming out of the second half, and we've seen this over the years against Nebraska. Paul Chris has said, we're better than you. We're going to run the ball literally every play in the second half, and that will get us to the finish line. That kind of same spirit, I think, could come out to play, especially at the beginning, building a nice base offensively and getting started, and especially getting Aaron Jones involved. Oh, there's such an issue with that comparison. Like You could say uh, pre-2020 Wisconsin. Fair. You know? Okay, fair, sure. Yep. Like when we talk about the years, we talk about, I don't know, whenever the ice age was and whenever 12, they pulled a 1200 year old canoe out of Lake Mendota here in Madison last year, which is really cool. Really? It's a cool story.
But, you know, it's like uh, AD, BC, all that stuff. It's uh, pre-2020 and post-2020 for the Badger program because those wins really? running the ball, I mean, they were resounding, and we did see what they could do when it was close, when they had Taylor back there and before, a.k.a. when the line was playing well. Since then, except for when they play bad teams they can physically destroy, it hasn't been that easy. So that's the a- team is, is built differently. The offensive line in the running game is is not there. I agree with you. So pre-2020 Badgers vibes. I should have specified. So it is kind of a get-right game for the Badgers this weekend, no doubt, with New Mexico State coming into town, 37-point favorite. If I had to ask you which one, I saw them talking about this on the morning show this morning. Thought I'd repurpose it for a couple minutes at least. Who do you have more confidence in covering this weekend? Packers are 10-point favorites with the Bears coming into town. Bill, by the way, has picked the Bears plus 10. I figure he really? expects a Packers win. It was one of his picks yesterday. Yeah. I remember. I was listening intently and not focused on getting my <laughs> picks organized. I, I do remember that now that you brought it up. Four hours is a lot of time. I don't remember everything I say on the show, let alone messages that Bill leaves behind. Oh, I forget most of what I say when I get yeah. off the air at the end. I, not, the, yeah. not the general themes, but it's the also specifics. Good. How are you supposed to retain it all? Yeah, I, I guess that's a good way to look at it. But which one do you have more confidence in covering? Just instant gut reaction. Badgers minus 37 against one of the worst teams in college football or the Packers with the Bears coming into town minus 10? Packers. Just because 37 and a half is a ridiculous number, isn't it? That's insane. Zach Heilprin brought this up last night on our show, Kenny and Heilprin. There's a podcast yep. available. Uh, I understand the audio at times isn't terrific. I fixed it. Whatever. We'll move on. He brought it up. When, do you know when the last time Wisconsin covered as a favorite of 38 points or more? Um, it, it had to be in the pre-2020 era of Wisconsin Badgers football. The answer is never. They've never done it. Oh, really? Yeah. They've won by that much when they're a favorite of 30-ish or whatever, but never yeah. as a favorite that large. Um, I have more confidence in the Packers covering because I just, I don't, I, I, they're so much better than the, like the bears are not good. I, they won a game. It was an outlier game. Trey Lance played like crap. It was raining. It was a monsoon. They were at home. The Niners, the Niners played a sloppy game and the bears to their credit looked better than they did under Matt Nagy, especially fields, but they're not good. Let's not crown them as a good team. Their line sucks. They should be able, the Packers, to pressure fields almost at will. And then as long as the secondary can hold up when the scramble drill and that kind of stuff happens, I think the team is fine. Um, A loss then will raise some big-time red flags if that were to happen because this is just not a very good Bears team. Uh, So I have more confidence in the Packers minus 10. The Badgers, I think they win by 30-plus. It is really hard to get to that 38 number. However, I will say after the biggest letdown possible last week, losing to Washington state, it is kind of that let's go back on the field and beat the crap out of an inferior opponent kind of vibe. where like, let's just physically annihilate them. And I don't know if 38 comes into play, but they're angry. They want to get back out there and write the ship, a get right game, a a roll out the helmets game, perhaps as bill would say the over under is 46. I don't think the Badgers are going to score 37. They might win 35 to nothing or 31 to nothing. I just can't close my eyes and picture this Badgers team scoring 40 plus. Well, a pick six or two would help. Uh, You want to go real sicko mode on a good, good bet for this game. 
Yes. I think I love the New Mexico State first half team total under. What is it? Half a point? Uh, no, if it's a over under of 45, it's probably like three and a half. Oh, 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 oh. Well, yeah, they'll shut them out in the first half. One would hope. But they That's they have point. to have that. The, aggress- I, the aggression from losing last week has to play a big role where if you beat Washington State, you might come out a little flat the next week looking ahead to Ohio State. But you write the ship by winning very decisively one of these games and trying to fix all the stuff that went wrong. So I see an early domination. And then maybe they let the foot off the gas. That's where the 38 number is tough. 877-867-1670. Predictions for the Packers. We're going to step away here. We're going to take a quick break. Matt Mitchell joining us to talk betting from the Action Network in about 15 minutes. Coming up at 11, we'll get more into what we need to see on Sunday from Green Bay and an overall question about the offense, about whose responsibility it is to make sure this offense and the personnel they have to make sure it operates efficiently for the rest of the year. We'll get into all of that coming up later on in the show. That is Grant Bills. I am Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michaels Show. More after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back, Bill Michaels Show. Friday. Grant Bills, Ben Kenny here with you. Football Friday, Prediction Friday, 877-867-1670. If you want to chime in, our guy Mark hits us up on Twitter at Ben Z Kenny. If you want to do so as well, says they'll never cover the Badgers. That is as Paul Christ will never rub a loss in another team's face. I agree. Honestly, Uh, there are some coaches across the country in college football in the NFL. You don't get this. You don't get. A, a colossal mismatch, right? Like well, they're all pros. Yes. Yeah. It's all a, a finely packaged product where you, you get yeah. a lot of the same deal just with different Jersey colors. And we'll get into that a little later. Some hideous Jersey matchups coming up this weekend. Um, oh. But in college, there are gross mismatches. Like Nick Saban plays the Citadel. Honestly, it's crazy. Georgia this weekend plays South Carolina. The spread's like 26 this feels like a game that's kind of a gentleman's under where Kirby smart has a lot of respect for Shane Beamer and he will agree not to run it up on him where like he, if Kirby smart wanted to, they could win by 60 because their defense won't give up yards and they could just run and run and run and score at will. Like they destroyed Oregon yet. They kind of let their foot off the gas in the end because not to be disrespectful, you know, to the opposing coach. There are instances though, and there are some coaches PJ Fleck is one of them that does not care. He will run it up. He will go at to whatever lengths at all times. He is trying his hardest and I don't, that shouldn't surprise you with PJ Fleck. He is, you know, the definition of a tryhard. So yeah. uh, I agree. Uh, Paul Christ isn't like that. There are some around college football that are in terms of running it up. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough number to get to, but I mean, they were 33 and a half favorites against Illinois state. They won by 38. So it's, it's definitely attainable. I think I picked Wisconsin last night in my picks just because it doesn't feel like they'll win by that much. So that makes me think they will, if that makes sense. So you're fading yourself. I'm trying my best. I'm just, it's been a rough start to the pick season for me in college football. 
And I either try to be bad enough for people to fade me and make money or good enough for people to tail and make money. Yes. And I, I'm, I've been bad enough. So I'm trying the new strategy of whatever I initially think, do the opposite of when it comes to picking the spreads. Fair. So you, you are considering all crunching the numbers, making your decision, and then going the other way. <laughs> exactly. I, I am fading myself. And honestly, I of oh. the many things I've jinxed throughout my life, that's a pretty lucrative way to approach it. Fair. So coming up next, Matt Mitchell will join us. Action Network. That is at 1050. A lot to come in the future hours. We'll go through NFL week two. Some superlatives, some thoughts on the games. There is a headline coming out of Dallas that we are sure to touch on. It involves one Mike McCarthy, who everybody in this state knows very well. We'll get to that coming up in the next hour as well. And then, so the Packers offense. I mean, we talked all of yesterday about Rogers' comments to the media and how the passing offense gets off the ground with the new personnel. I want to ask the question, and I'll pose it, and we'll expand upon it coming up at 11. Who is the most responsible for making this offense work? Uh, this new Packers offense. It's not a new offense, but it has new personnel in at the wide receiver room, uh, especially Rogers, LaFleur, or the young wide receivers. At this point, there's a Twitter poll up at Ben Z. Kenny. 62% say Rogers, 27, uh, almost 28% say Matt LaFleur, and around 10% say it's on the young wide receivers to make this offense work. A couple comments have brought up the offensive line and or all the above. And I purposely said who is the most responsible, right? Like yes. it's, it's on all of them. But when they succeed, who are we going to first look to with praise? That is how I am trying to present this. I answer Ooh, Aaron Rodgers. great way of thinking about it. That's good. I like that. At 11, we're going to expand upon that. But I answer Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I mean, if you listen yesterday, then you kind of get a sense as to why. And when it works, I will be the first one to give him a lot of praise for making it work with the new cast he has. Uh, there was also one comment that says Rodgers is the most capable, but the most responsible is the wide receiver since that's the weak spot. And I would disagree with that. And that'll be expanded upon. But that is the general theme of today. That's at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter. If you want to chime in on the poll question, we have to step away. Matt Mitchell is going to join us next from the Action Network to break down the gambling angle of this weekend. Talk Packers, Bears, talk Badgers, New Mexico State, takeaways from last weekend, all that good stuff. That is next. It is the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. It's the Packers and the Bears on Sunday Night Football from here at Lambeau Field. Matt LaFleur had his team work out in just pads and shorts yesterday after a fully padded practice on Wednesday. We noticed that left tackle David Bakhtiari was not out there. LaFleur revealed that that's the plan for Bakhtiari moving forward, even if and when he returns to playing in games. We've said that, so he will not practice even, you know, when he is fully back. Um, in terms of into the lineup, he's not going to practice three days in a row. So it'll be a day on, a day off, a day on. There's not many people that, that 
probably can can have a schedule like that, but I do believe and we believe as an organization that he's one of those guys. The Bears had a good pass rush last Sunday in their win over the 49ers, led by veteran linebacker Roquan Smith, Aaron Rodgers. I feel like Roquan kind of has been coming into his own ever since he got in the league. Uh, I was happy. I remember week one he'd kind of held out, and I, we were all pretty happy about that because he's a difference maker. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He's an excellent rusher. Uh, against backs on his blitzes. He can cover. Uh, he can do it all. A lot of former Packers now on the Bears staff, including wide receiver Equinemia St. Brown, offensive lineman Lucas Patrick, and offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Packers defensive lineman Dean Lowry, who grew up a Bears fan in Rockford and played at Northwestern, says that they're curious what the new head coach Matt Eberflus will bring. Yeah, that, well, that's one strength, I think, in their favor is that they are more unpredictable because it's their first-year head coach. So it's not we're not really sure what kind of scheme they're going to run throughout, throughout the whole year. So, um, But there is uh, some sense of familiarity with Coach Getty being here on staff and all those things. So um, just in these kind of games, you got to rely on fundamentals and go out there and perform. That's Packers defensive lineman Dean Lowry. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. All right, welcome back. Bill Michaels Show. That is Mike Clemens. Packers Bears coming up on Sunday night. To talk more about that, as well as the betting aspect of all football that will go on, that will grace our television screens this weekend. Joining us now, Matt Mitchell, audio director, Action Network, at Old Boy Uncle Mitch on Twitter. Uh, the Action Network app, best way to track all the games and your picks as well. Download that. Matt, number one, congratulations. Last weekend when you were, or last Friday, excuse me, when you were on with us, I believe you gave us four picks to look at. One of them was Pittsburgh. That worked. The Giants, the Green Bay, Minnesota under, and you said not to bet on Graham Mertz. So for that, I commend you. Wow. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great opening week. It was, a, it was a blast. I will note for the Badger thing, though, it wasn't on Mertz. I just have to, have to throw that thing in there. But I do understand the thought process. So, I mean, after Packers-Vikings, the Packers obviously lose there. Offense doesn't look great. Same struggles we saw week one last year. How much from the betting market perspective is there a downgrade after a performance like that? Very little. It's it's still just a single data point. You'll see it across the NFL. Week two tends to be one of the most exciting weeks to bet because it's overreaction week every year in the NFL. So there's a lot of trends that uh, can help guide you through what can feel like a kind of treacherous week two slate, but ultimately it's a, it's a hold your nose situation. And that's why you see the, the Packers still heavy favorites against Chicago. In week two, how do you take advantage of some of this overreaction as a better, right? As someone who's sharp and, and does this as a living, how do you take advantage of maybe more casual betters that are uh, maybe overreacting to some storylines? How do you capitalize this weekend after week one? So there's a, there's a ton of trends I could point to. The easiest one is just when a underdog enters week two off a loss. So basically a team that fell flat week one and they're perceived as not very good. They're coming in as an underdog in this following week. That is the Jets, the Jags, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, and the Titans. They all lost last week and they're underdogs again this week. Teams in that spot are 56% against the spread. Just betting those teams alone long-term is a great strategy. Basically betting against public perception because most people only saw these teams play one time and everyone mm -hmm. thinks 
the Bills will go undefeated to win the Super Bowl, and everyone thinks you know Dallas couldn't possibly win a football game. Just betting against those perceptions is a great way to approach Week Two. So when you look at this weekend in the NFL, is there an underdog you are really keen on, maybe pulling an upset or definitely covering? And the second part of that question is, why is that underdog Titans in Buffalo? <laughs> as a as a Bills fan, I uh, dislike the Titans strenuously dating back to the Music City Miracle. Um, I, I hate everything about them. I do think they are a pretty good bet this week for all the reasons we just discussed. They are at a pretty low value point after losing, you know, kind of blowing it against the Giants. The Bills couldn't have looked better uh, in three of their four quarters against the defending Super Bowl champions on the road. Um, a home game in Monday night, I believe it is the second home primetime game in September in Buffalo in the last 22 years. Orchard Park, New York schools are being let out early because of the amount of traffic that's being anticipated. All that to say, though, it's a big number. It's a big number. So if you're going to go with it, I'd go with Tennessee. But my favorite underdog is actually hold your nose and bet the New York Jets. Oh, <laughs> God, that's tough. That yeah, hurts. I don't know if I it's can not fun. That. It's not going to didn't promise you a fun time, but it is a, yeah. it is a game worth betting. What do people say? You bet teams or you bet numbers, not teams or something like that. That's you can right. tell them a casual. Yeah. Uh, Packers Bears Sunday night. I've seen the line move down a little bit. I saw it at 10 some spots yesterday. I see it nine and a half right now. What kind of angles do you like if you're a Packers or a Bears fan and you want to throw a little scratch on Sunday night football? incredibly all of our action network experts across our several, our several shows and platforms, including the action network podcast are aligned on the enormous favorite green Bay Packers against Chicago. There's a number of reasons, but one is it's a, it's a very good buy low spot on the Packers coming off of a pretty, uh, you know, uh, fart noise uh, performance last week against Minnesota in which they failed to score on a uh, goal to go situation. And they dropped a, for a sure touchdown pass and they lost by two touchdowns. Like it, it wasn't as bad a performance ultimately as the score indicated and the, the bears shocked the world in a monsoon. So I, I think the, uh, the Packers are clearly the better side here. I think they'll be out for blood and it's a classic Rogers revenge game spot. So yeah, our guys love the Packers and that's a, what are going to be one of the few fun bets you can make heading into Sunday. Matt Mitchell joining us, Action Network, at Old Boy Uncle Mitch on Twitter. Find him there. Find all the great Action Network work uh, across all of the platforms as well as their app. That's how you track and follow everything. So when you look across the NFL slate, and I'll throw college football in there as well, what are the other games? What are the best bets that the guys at the Action Network like for the, for the weekend? I think the one that really caught my eye that our guys really liked is the New England Patriots playing the Pittsburgh Steelers as now short favorites. Since 2019, the Steelers are 1-7 against the spread the week after an outright upset of three or more points. And New England hasn't started 0-2 since 2001, which they won the Super Bowl that year. But the big reason is Belichick off a loss. Okay, so Belichick off a loss. 48 and 22 against the spread. He covers two thirds of the time by an average of seven points off a loss on the road, 29 and nine against the spread. And some people will say, Oh, that's probably just, that's probably just Tom Brady, right? Okay. Well, off a loss coming in the next week as an underdog or a, a very short favorite. He's covered by an average of 11 points or more. And in the five times he hasn't had Tom Brady, He's had Matt Castle, Mac Jones, or the corpse of Cam Newton. He's 4-1 and one in those spots. He thrives as a um, 
an awful loss, has for you know his entire career, and I love him this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Love it. Matt, appreciate the time. Uh, don't bet Wisconsin this weekend. Probably don't bet them against Ohio State, but we'll check back when maybe the Badgers are, are back to a good form. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Always a pleasure. There he is, Matt Mitchell, Action Network, joining us for a few, giving us the betting angle for the weekend. We're going to step away, take a quick break. A lot more to come on this Football Friday on The Bill Michael Show. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.